Welcome to On Texas Football, Saturday edition. I've got Paul Wadlington of Inside Texas alongside me. We're going to talk a little Longhorn football today. Uh, Paul had a great article out on Thursday of this past week uh, talking about some notes and behind-the-scenes stuff he had picked up personally over the last couple of weeks. I uh, want to go over that uh, and also talk a little Longhorn football in general. How are you doing today, Paul? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? You know, trying to trying to have a good weekend here. Hey, uh, let's get it started. Uh, the the name that seems to be on the tip of everybody's tongues behind the scene scenes for Longhorn practice right now is Alfred Collins. You started your article out with him. Why? Well, I, I think there's been a lot of talk about Alfred. I think um, people. Well, let's let's go back. Let's wind the clock back and, and let's start. It. Let's go to 2020 when we first got to see him after being a, a five star recruit, uh, great kid from the local Austin area, and uh, you know, athletic family. Came to UT with very high expectations because of his athleticism. Came to Texas, really showed out as a as a as a freshman with some spot play, particularly in that bowl game against Colorado and just showed, you know, next level athleticism with that tipped interception and, and that kind of stuff. And so people are primed for a big sophomore season from Alfred. Well, they get, they have a coaching overturn, right? Herman's out, Sark's in, you get a new philosophy on defense and Alfred Collins wasn't really what Pete Kwiatkowski wanted in those interior defensive line spots. He wants big run stoppers, space eaters, you know, occupiers. At least that was that iteration of the defense. And interestingly, we had some real issues at edge, as we all know, back then, right? So halfway through that season, if you guys will remember, they started practicing Alfred Collins at the jack position, an edge position. And he had a week of practice. He'd never played there. And then they rolled him out against Oklahoma State, and he was the best defensive lineman and impact player in that game and actually played really well. And then started five games, played really well, even though that was a bad defense, and was sort of a bright spot. Everyone's excited for his junior year in 2021. Well, there's, a, there's mixed stories on this, but there seemed to have been a lack of communication about whether Alfred was going to be an edge or Alfred was going to be inside. And uh, – the, the, the delta between those two things for Alfred could be weighing 270 or weighing 310. And so what happens is he comes out in the, in the fall and, um, you know, you've got some really good guys like Moro Jomo and, and, you know, obviously Coburn and Sweater solidified the nose spot. And that, that's not Alfred's deal. And he just fell behind. They had a frustrating spring. And they felt like there was a lack of communication about what his role was going to be. And then people, I think, have forgotten that he was injured in the first fall practice. So his ability to sort of play catch up in the fall was taken away from him. In fact, he, he missed the opener against Louisiana Monroe. When that happened, he just fell behind in a talented room and he was sort of relegated to the second team. This offseason, his role has clarified. If you look at him and look at his body, he understands where he's playing now. He's going to play that three, that five technique, uh, complementary to the nose tackle. And he's he's every bit of 310 pounds and looks like a, a, a brick outhouse, I guess is the nice way I can say it. Uh, he looks awesome. And he's kept his athleticism. He's gotten a lot stronger. And I think that also coincided with a little bit of a philosophical shift in that SNC program at Texas. And 
I think they had a realization that, hey, we need to get these guys strong and not just have them lift 225 real fast. Uh, and so uh, that's Alfred is, is caught up in strength. He knows what he's doing. His technique is caught up. And I think he's primed for a, a really big senior season. He's going to play more of that three technique, right? That, that, that's, yeah, I mean, where you can – you have a little bit more leeway to get penetration, get upfield, uh, maybe cause some havoc as opposed to just simply hold, holding the point of attack, which is an extraordinarily valuable point of, of uh, value that Texas is trying to get at. Um, that, that's really interesting to me because we talk about this, um, and last year they had two really strong nose tackles, not only Keandre but also Tion – Devondre Sweat. This year, do they have two nose tackles? Because neither Vernon Broughton nor um, uh, Alfred Collins, the second team guys, are true nose tackles. Is that where Aaron Bryant maybe comes in, in your opinion? Uh, maybe. Or Sadir Mitchell? Byron Murphy. You think he's going to play nose? Oh, I think he's going to play up and down that line. I think he's too good to keep off the field. I think uh, along with Collins, he's made some strides. Uh, frankly, he had a great debut as a freshman. Um, and yeah, he did quite well. But now he's got his opportunity, uh, and I think you're going to see him be the primary backup for Sweat, and I think he's going to be a primary backup for Collins. I think, I think they're going to have a rotation inside. It's it's a very deep group. It's a talented group. But Byron Murphy, he's going to be out there 30, 40 snaps a game somewhere, and and Tavondre Sweat is a guy who's going to be more effective at around 40, 45 snaps where he can really let it go. You don't want to play him 65 snaps if you can help it. You know, you don't want to Iron Man a guy who weighs 345 pounds. So even though he's one of your best players, you have to play him in spots. You got to yeah. play him in spots. He's going to be more effective. You know, it's like it's like basketball, right? They'll look at, you know, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, efficacy per minute and they'll say whoa well, this guy does this for 20 minutes why don't we play him 40 well the answer is he would denigrate pretty substantially over the next 10 to 15 that you play him because his his styles to just play you know balls out and then and then that's how he reaps the benefits and that's the, the same thing you want with your defensive line in general right if you want just constant depth and pressure on an offense and offensive line just keep bringing in fresh bodies and tell them to get after it because uh, it's it's it can be hard for an offense to deal with just relentless uh, defensive depth. That's interesting because I, that's one of the things that we've talked about happening at the edge position for Texas as well. With we don't know who that guy opposite Baron Sorrell is going to be quite yet. We've heard good things not only about uh, uh, Justice Finkley and seen good things from Justice, uh, but also Ethan Burke and even Chris Ross of late. Uh, people have been talking about him. I, I want to move forward, though, to to the other position, really, that you kind of called out singularly. Like you, you really said this is a position that I'm impressed with and those behind the scenes that I talk to are, are impressed with. And it wasn't receiver. Doesn't mean that people aren't impressed with them. You picked out the defensive backs, Paul. Why did you pick them out? What was it that the, that grabbed your attention from what you heard? 
Well, what was said to me is someone said, look, our second team defensive backs are better, uh, more explosive athletes than our starters in 2021 or, or 2020, I should say, or 2021. And I said, I thought about it and I said, well, yeah. And they said, well, that's the point is the upgrades. It's happened. And not only have we upgraded with talent, which, hey, every three or four years since the last decade of, of Texas football kind of dive bombing a little bit. We've been sold on this new flock of, of defensive backs who are going to shift things back. And, and sometimes it's come to fruition, but I think we're seeing a confluence between talent, depth, and experience. And when you get that at defensive back, when you get that on the offensive line, you see a market improvement in your offense, right? It's not just the improvement of each individual player. It's the whole group playing together. And look, you're, if you're going to play – you know, knock on wood, 15 games in 2023, you are you need more than your starters at defensive back. You're going to have guys get hobbled. You're going to play some crazy pass-happy teams. That you're going to want to think about uh, exploring a dime, which we have not really run uh, under Kwiatkowski. I think with all that talent and maybe some of the lack of depth at linebacker, I think we're going to look hard at maybe some dime packages where you, you've got Gavin Holmes and Keaton Crawford and – Jade Barron and all those guys all, all out there at once and not just alternating. And you got guys like Austin Jordan and Terrence Brooks potentially coming off the bench. You know, they're probably starters at most of the other schools that we're going to play this year. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, I feel like, um, you know, a lot of a lot has been made of you mentioned Keaton Crawford. And that's one of the guys you took uh, and talked about. He would be one of those guys that this is his contract year, so to speak. Right. He's a senior. Uh, they recruited. Uh, they recruited potentially over him with Jalen Catalan. Yeah. Catalan is injured right now and off, not not practicing uh, because he had a, a little shoulder cleanup uh, this uh, spring. Uh, you know, it's time. It's do or die time for him. And and you've heard some nice things. Eric Nalene's heard some nice things behind the scenes. So has Justin Wells. Uh, but really, what was did the light bulb just need to come on, or was it something else with Keaton? So with Keaton, he's an elite athlete. He can cover a lot of ground. He's actually he's he's really strong. And if you guys can recall, whether special teams or some spot action, he hits. I mean, he he brings it. He's not shy. Uh, but if you rewind, he was primarily an offensive player in high school who played cornerback. And the cornerback was, hey, Keaton, go cover that guy, go wherever he goes and take him out of the game. Now that's great, and that's when you're when you're a high school coach and you're trying to win the game. That's what you want to do with a Keaton Crawford, and you want to hand him the ball and throw him the ball right on, on offense. But that's not a very good prep for for college safety. So he comes in, he's learning a new a new a new role as a safety, where you really have to see the whole field. You have to understand not just the play call, but the precepts of the position. Right? No one gets by me. Hey, when do I come up hard to support the run? When is that a big mistake? All that basic stuff, right? You know, is my responsibility the flat? No, I'm supposed to stay here. Okay, I'll do that. You know, that's hard to do in real time when you're processing it all at once. And he did it under an old system. He gets Kukowski. He's got his system. That system, again, changed with the introduction of Gary Patterson, where they brought in the left-right, more agnostic sort of safety, where you don't have this clear, I'm a field, I'm a boundary safety. That's all out the door. So he's finally gotten his legs under him. And 
as with any great athlete, if he's comfortable enough that he feels like he knows what's going on, then he can let he can let it go and really let his athleticism shine. The, the good thing about Keaton is though he is a senior, he still does have a COVID year in his pocket. So if this year is not his, you know, it could be a breakout, but not the kind of breakout that he thinks will get him in the part of the draft he wants to be. He can always come back and, and, and be the man in 2024. Well, it's interesting. I, I, he reminds me of Adrian Colbert. Uh, from an athletic standpoint, good, real just plus athlete, physical. Uh, Colbert never could become a, a, a safety at Texas. They tried. Dwayne Aquina tried. Uh, and uh, so he transferred out and went to Miami, ended up being a corner and played a little bit in the league. Um, Crawford reminds me of that type of player. We'll have to see how he does this year because he's got an interesting uh, body of work right now. You mentioned his special team stuff. And, I, you know, he's tremendous. Uh, in special teams. And so there, there's that. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. A couple other thoughts, uh, but before we go there, I want you to say thank you to Gabe Winslow uh, over at uh, Mortgages by Gabe. Uh, Absolutely. A big thank you to Gabe Winslow. The Longhorn program is on the upswing, but Gabe has been at the top, staying there the whole time. Uh, give him a call. Find out why. 832-557-1095 or Mortgages by Gabe. It's right there on the screen. Uh, he's a diehard, passionate Longhorn. He's really, really good at what he does. It's not about just providing you a quote. It's about solving problems and strategizing the most important financial decision of your life. Got it. Yep. Got to buy a house sometimes, right? Hey, At some point, you got to buy a house, and it's the biggest thing you'll – it's the biggest investment you'll ever make in your life for most – for 99% of us. Yes, no doubt. Hey, the question I had for you, you also mentioned Savion Red in your article. I want to talk about him. Uh, I also want to mention – what you saw or what people behind the scenes have heard of Quinn Ewers uh, and then Jet Bush as well. Yeah. Uh, so Savion Red is strong. Uh, newsflash. And, and, and they're sort of uh, strong for a receiver and then strong for a running back. And those are different things, right? Savion Red is strong for a running back. He's, he's got one of the strongest lower bodies in that room. He's every bit of 214, 215 pounds. He's 5'10". He's, he's put together – and a lot of it's below his belt, uh, in his thighs and, and his in his glutes. And uh, I mean, I was the person I was talking to was like, the coaches are actually kind of pondering, like, is our converted wide receiver maybe our best short yardage back? Uh, not not typically what you think when you make a, a transition like that. You think he's going to be a scat back, but obviously he keeps those hands. But he is a he is a tough runner. He he'll grind it out inside. He's not just trying to break it and be a finesse guy. Um, I think he's taken to like to this like a duck duck in water. I think what I I'm gathering from what I've gathered and just sort of looking at the different types. I think we're going to have a tag team running back room. I think there's going to be a bunch of dudes participating and getting their carries and uh, having a disseminated load, which yeah could work just fine if all the guys are good. Yeah, and, and the question I would have for that is, or, or comment, that's not something Sark historically has done. No. He's, he's, he's stuck with one. What about Quinn Ewers? You, you like the shape he came in in? Uh, that's what people are talking about behind the scenes? Yeah, he's in good shape. Um, I think he had a little baby fat 
um, last year. And I mean, he's just growing up, you know, he's, he's, he's a, he's a young guy. I think he got in better shape. I think he understood that he needs to move better. Um, yours is a pocket passer, but don't, you know, go queue up some old South Lake film. The guy, guys, the guy can run. He's a respectable athlete. And obviously Sark will never feature that. Uh, but it is useful for him to feel agile and to be able to move and navigate the pocket and find windows. You know, Quinn is six, one and a half, you know, six, two, maybe. Uh, so he needs to be able to move around a little bit in the pocket and find his windows. He's not, he's not a six foot five guy that's going to stand back there big and strong and still be able to see over everything. So I think it's really benefited him. I, I was talking to uh, uh, on the live stream on Friday with uh, Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd. Ian Boyd mentioned something that kind of struck me. He said he thinks Jet Bush might be the best pass rushing linebacker at this point, uh, simply because he's got some experience doing it on the outside, even though he, he was he's not very good on the outside at, on the line of scrimmage. He's just not big enough. He actually did develop some some get after it there. Um, what do you think? What What is it that you're hearing about uh, Jet Bush, who currently is backing up Jalen Ford at, at that Mike linebacker? Position? He is solidly Jalen Ford's backup. He, he's the guy that's going out there um, and he's he's earned it. He's built himself into that. Uh, the thing about Jet Bush is he's actually bigger now than when he was playing on the line of scrimmage, which that guy gave it his all. But sometimes you could just see he's given up 75 pounds. It, this physics ain't going to happen. Right. Uh, he's every bit of 240, 245 right now. And he has pretty good quickness. He's a better athlete than I think people give him credit for. Uh, and now the the skill of being a pass rusher from middle linebacker or Mike, our inside linebacker position, some of that's about suddenness and timing and also your ability to fight through someone getting a piece of you, right? You know, you've got a bigger, stronger guy who you're quicker than, so can you use your quickness to set him up a little bit, go the other way? And he's still going to get a piece of you. So are you strong enough to fight through that and still go get the quarterback? And if Jet Bush, you know, he might be, I, I'll probably still stick with Jalen Ford there. Uh, Jalen is, is a hard guy to, to go against for any, any sort of attribute uh, as, as a linebacker because he's just pretty, he's just good at everything. But, he's, got, yeah. he's, lo he's also longer, longer limb, got a little bit, got a little bit more depth. I, 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 I didn't take exception necessarily with what, what Ian said. It just made me go, it made me ponder, right? Yeah. Like, huh, this, he really thinks highly of him. Look, Paul, one of the things I wanted to get to, and I, I know it's 15, 16 minutes into this video before I'm, I'm talking about it here now, but the thing that the overall tenor of your article was something that I, I took away from it. And that was the, upping the ante from a competition standpoint across the board. Um, people have to learn how to appreciate that because uh, it's one thing to be one deep. They're going to a conference in 2024 where you have to be too deep because you're going to, you're going to get injured. You're not going to have all 13 games with the same offensive line. It's just not going to happen. You're going to go two and three deep along the defensive front because they're going to get, you know, tagged. They may not be out for a whole season, but they'll be out two or three weeks with a bum shoulder. You just, you never know. It, it, you've been around it. I've been around it. Um, the roster itself right now, in, in your opinion, would you give it an A? Would you give it a B? B plus, A minus? Where, where are you at right now with that from a depth standpoint 
and, and ability standpoint? Um, I'm a hard grader. So okay. I'm, I'm grading from the premise of a Texas Longhorn football na- uh, playoff team. So I'd say it's a B, B plus. Got it. And a couple of years ago, I would have said we were a C minus. If that. Yeah, I think I think that you're not wrong uh, because obviously it's it's an opinion, but the offensive line is still relatively young. The best players on it. Um, the defensive line, maybe ne- they definitely need an edge. That's an adult. And I'm, and I don't mean justice flink, you know, you know what I mean by that. They need that two or three year experience defensive end. They need another interior defensive lineman. In my opinion, they're, they're going to play David Benda. It sounds like at one of the linebacker positions. I do think they're there in the secondary. Um, and I think they're there at, at all of the other offensive spots. Really. I even like the running back room, uh, but there are just enough little question marks that make me think, eh, B, B plus, maybe A minus. Uh, they do have, I will say this, they have some special guys. Jatavian Sanders is a special guy, potentially. Some of the receivers, potentially special. Quarterback room, potentially special. Um, I just wonder how it's all going to turn out uh, because I do feel like they're getting better competition across the board. And the value of that will will come out to play late in seasons, in my opinion. Rewind to 2004, Texas. That team previewed and presaged 2005. And you, and you saw its culmination in the last game of the season, which I was fortunate enough to be at, the Michigan Rose Bowl, where you turned to the person next to you and said, it's on. Vince has figured this out. And then you saw what was coming back, um, even with the loss – of some really great Longhorn players like Cedric Benson and stuff, you knew that 2005 team was going to be very special. Maybe this group is at that 2004 phase, right? Where they're going to, they're going to be the preview of what's to come, but you're still going to see really good football. Like this is a team that should, should win the big 12 should make its, its stake, its claim for the playoff. Um, This is a team that, you know, as you said, for the offensive line, they're a year out from peaking, right? They're still quite young, actually. They're probably two years out from peaking, several of those guys. So, you know, and Quinn Ewers, same, right? He, Quinn Ewers will be better in 2024 than 2023, right? And so I, I think that's all good, but that doesn't mean that this isn't the breakout season. Because if they go out and win the games they're supposed to win and they go out and take care of business early in September in Alabama, which they're fully capable of, they've got a launching pad where, you know, things could get real interesting for the playoffs. Cause I don't see the clear dominant team in college football heading into this year. Do you? No. Um, I, I tell you what, I USC uh, with that quarterback, but they, I don't know that they're. I don't know that Lincoln Riley's teams are ever going to be good enough on defense. Um, so I don't think it's actually in like part of who he is. I mean, part of like USC is what he inherited, right? He has he has a two hundred pound inside linebacker, right? Right. And, and you know you got Tulane driving the ball in the fourth quarter and, and and whipping them, right? And winning that football game. I don't know if that's – that's not because Lincoln Riley, uh, his offense is eroding his defense. It's just that's how it fell. Um, and we have seen some Oklahoma teams with Lincoln Riley where they did field a good defense. But the question is, is Alex Grinch 
going to make some of the changes and adaptations he needs to make to his system to, to really succeed and thrive. Um, ultimately, I don't know. I know their offense is going to put up a bunch of points. I know their defense is going to give up some points. So. I, I mean, look, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama. Yep. Those are the four um, that are probably the most talented. Um, Scheme-wise, I would think USC holds a little advantage on offense. Not sure about now with Clemson, with Garrett Riley. The, athletically, they're going to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting. It, it, the numbers are, are going to play out, and we'll see who, who does what. But Texas is, is, is getting into that echelon where they're starting to be uh, – the competition level is starting to be such that you're going to put a really good player on the field. Uh, they, there's a couple spots where they need some numbers and need some experience, but overall you're going to end up putting a really good a potential NFL player on the field at just about every position. And that's, well, that's a lot. And think about, so some coaches give, um, you know, some talk to everything's competition, but a lot of coaches like anointing guys and knowing who their starter is going to be. And they, they channel all the reps through him. That's not how Sark was brought up. And as different as contrasting as Pete Carroll and Nick Saban are, and Nick Saban obviously very formative for Sark late in his career, however briefly he was there, but Carroll's where he had most of his development as a coach philosophically. Carroll, don't let the the like laid back California, the, the practices at USC on Tuesday were vicious. And the demotions and the changes in lineups happened right there on the field. Coaches told you to take off your jersey and hand it to another guy. And he walked over there as the starter. And that's how it was on that Saturday. And that's what Sark grew up on. Um, he is not shy about making those calls. And the, the good news is, hopefully, we also have a culture where guys who are challenged aren't going to quit and get on Twitter and enter the transfer portal. But they're going to actually maybe stay and try to fight for their job. Uh, we'll see. TBD on that one, right, Bobby? No doubt. No doubt. All right. Uh, Paul Wadlington, InsideTexas.com. Uh, thank you for joining us for this Saturday conversation. We've been doing it. Really enjoyed it. Missed it last week, Paul. Uh, also, thank you to our sponsor, uh, Mortgages by Gabe. Uh, Gabe Winslow is the, your guy uh, for all your mortgage needs. Uh, Paul, thanks a bunch, man. And I'll see you again next week. Hey, always a pleasure. I'll look forward to it. All right. Take care now. See you. Thank you for watching. For more videos on Texas football, recruiting, and other sports, make sure you click the like button and subscribe to the channel to get the very latest updates. Uh, thank you for watching again and hook them.